Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Like Madeline said, my name is Kyler. My wife, Natalie, and I, we were both on staff, uh, full-time staff with Crew. I've been here at UGA for a little over three years, um, and I work specifically with our Greek ministry, our our Greek guys. Um, But I'm really glad y'all are here tonight, Um, whoever you are, whether this is your first time and you're just checking out the whole God thing and not really sure about following Jesus, or if you're regular with Crew and and you would say Crew is your home, uh, I'm just really glad y'all are here, and uh, I I hope that, that you find Crew to really be a place for you, in a home for you, uh, whatever that looks like. So Daniel, last week, he started us in our series called Encounters. And so he, said, he told us last week that the purpose of this series is to encounter Jesus. That's the point. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing a series like this, to encounter Jesus. Um, Daniel shared that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, meaning that if we ever wonder what God is like, we can look at Jesus and we can find our answer in him uh, through the Gospels. And even though he, he has not been on earth for uh, over 2,000 years, we can look in stories um, that we're going to be going through to see what he's like. And so uh, we're going to be, this, in our series, we're going to be zooming in on different stories, different encounters he has with people, real people, face-to-face, people that are maybe different than you, people that maybe are just like you, that you relate to. But we're going to be looking at these stories to see uh, what Jesus says what he does, um, how he acts, and, uh, and, and we're going to see if, um, so we can, exact, we can know exactly who it is that's calling us, inviting us to have life um, in him. Um, and so let me pray for us, and we're going to uh, get started in our, in our story. God, we're thankful for this moment. We're, we're grateful that you brought us here. Um, Holy Spirit, we trust that you are here, uh, and you're, you're working. So we invite you to work. Um, Holy Spirit, do this passage in us. Um, as we encounter you through, this, through your word, uh, would you illuminate it um, and, and speak to our hearts? And um, God, I, I pray for in this time that for you to increase, I must decrease. Um, so would you do that um, now? We trust you and we love you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so before we open our story, I want to ask this question uh, to get you thinking a little bit. Um, have you ever seen or encountered a famous person out in public? And if so, what was that like? So think about it. What was that like? Maybe in an airport, a restaurant? Uh, who was it? Uh, an, an, a musician, an actor, an actress, uh, an, an athlete? Um, what was that like? What, how did you respond? Did you uh, whisper to the person you were with, oh my gosh, it's them? Uh, were you so bold as to approach them, uh, ask for an autograph, or get your picture taken with them? Uh, what was that like for you, um, if it's happened to you? You know, for me, other than the occasional Kirby Smart sighting and the Jittery Joes at five points, you can look for him there, uh, I haven't really experienced or encountered a, a famous person um, in this way. But I've, I've heard stories of, of friends who have, how giddy they felt, how excited they were that they saw this person they looked up to. Uh, and I've heard stories of how awkward it was when they encountered them, uh, but also cool stories of, of the conversations they had. Uh, and so... Think about it. it. Has this ha- ever happened to you, and what was that like? And so I, I ask that question because I just want to set the stage for our story. You see, it's the first century in the region of Galilee, 
which is situated in the nation of Israel. And there's a, a new rabbi, a new religious teacher on the scene. He's just begun his great Galilean tour. He's making his way through the cities, uh, teaching uh, in, in religious assembly and he's, uh, assemblies, and he's doing all these crazy things. And through this, people are beginning to pay attention to him now. Um, he's, he's beginning to, uh, to gain quite the following. Uh, you know, the, if this were to happen today, this man, he would be going viral through the things that he, he was doing. And so as more people hear about him, as more people experience him, his following begins to swell. What started with about 12 guys now is, is getting to the hundreds. Again, if, if this were to happen today, he would be on his way to be the next social media influencer. This guy, when he speaks, people are astonished. Like, We've never heard anyone like this before. Who is he? Well, it's Jesus from a little town called Nazareth, and he is quickly gaining celebrity status now. And so now let's open up to Luke chapter 5. It's going to be on the screen, but you can look in, in your Bible or your phone. So Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. So here we have our celebrity, Jesus, on his great Galilean tour, making his way through the city. And what's true at this point is a lot of people are watching him. There are a lot of eyes on him now. But Luke, here, the gospel writer, he tells of a specific set of eyes that are on Jesus. The eyes of a man full of leprosy. Though leprosy is still present in the world today, at this time it was thought to be an uh, incurable um, skin disease and highly contagious. So this disease, it attacks the nerves, resulting in numbness throughout the entire body. Uh, mild forms uh, results in scaly or crusty skin, but the more severe forms result in missing fingers, toes, and hands. And Luke, who actually happens to be a doctor as well as an apostle, as he put it, in verse 12, this man was full of leprosy, meaning he was covered with leprosy from head to toe. Can you picture it? Can you picture this man full of leprosy? This was no mild case. This man was suffering greatly. But not only would he have been suffering physically, but emotionally and spiritually as well. See, in many societies during this time, leprosy, it was... They were, lepers were considered to be unclean, and they were quarantined to places where they could not contact others um, and spread their disease. These guidelines, they were put in place to control the disease, to protect the leper and the community. You know, after this year, that word quarantine may be a little triggering. <laughs> um, we know what this is like. We know what it could have been like for this man. We have a category for this. But also in the nation of Israel, under Old Testament law, lepers were considered to be ceremonially or ritually unclean. We don't have a great category for this. So let's, let's lean in. Let's step into what this could have been like for this man. So going back to the very beginning, Genesis 1, God created a good world. In this good world, it was filled with of, of health, of life, of beauty, in this good world, God created human beings, made in his own image, to have a relationship with him. 
They were given stewardship over the world to care for it, and they were, they were invited into close fellowship with God. But they destroyed it. They chose to, a life separate from God. They wanted to take for themselves instead of freely receive from God, their creator. They sinned against God, breaking personal fellowship with him. But not only did sin affect them personally, sin affected everything. This good world was now broken, in desperate need of repair. Disaster, sickness, evil, suffering, and death now became a part of this world. But God, he wasn't going to give up on that world. God chose the people out of the brokenness to be his own, the Israelites. These people needed to be cleansed from their personal sins, but also given hope in their suffering that sin caused in the world around them. Out of his love and his care for them, God gave them instruction to live by. He gave them laws to obey. These laws were for the good of the people. These laws guided the people in matters of government, issues of morality, and ceremonial regulations, or regulations for worshiping him. And so now, let's, let's talk about these ceremonial and ritual regulations, because here is where we zoom in to focus on our leper in Luke 5. You can see on the screen... In this system, there were three ritual states that someone or something could be in. You've got holy, clean, and unclean. These ritual states, there were, there were categories to help guide the community on things to do, things not to do, places to go, places not to go. And the, the, the title of uncleanness, it was not given to mean that someone was to be excluded from the love of God or excluded from the love of the community, but rather to protect and provide for that person and the entire community. But what was also true of these labels is that they were instituted by God to represent or symbolize moral status. So let's take our first state, holiness. This is the highest ritual and ceremonial and, and moral state that someone could be in. And this is true of God. This state of holiness means undefiled. It means pure. It means other. It means set apart. And it represented and symbolized life. But on the other side of holiness was uncleanness. This ritual state, it symbolized the need for people not to just be cleansed in matters of personal hygiene, but spiritually cleansed. There was an association with guilt before God and uncleanness, and this, stat, this status, it symbolized death. In the Old Testament, when someone would, was considered as unclean, the solution wasn't to go take a bath. The solution was to go to the priest in order to make a sacrifice before God. There was a connection there. And all this was so significant because as God called the Israelites to a constant state of ritual purity, he was reminding them of the importance of total moral purity in all aspects of their life. They were connected. So now back to our story. Jumping back to Luke 5. Now that we've addressed some of the reasons why this leper would have been considered as unclean. Let me share the results. 
though this was not God's intention in Old Testament law, this man would have been a social outcast. Everywhere he went, he would have to walk around screaming, unclean, unclean, causing people to scatter. He would have been expelled from his community, away from the love and care of others. And in fact, anyone clean who touched the leper, touched anything a leper touched, entered the leper's home, or was even around them, they would then go from being clean to unclean, unfit for worship. So as a result, this man, Luke 5, this man, he would have lived in a state of isolation and shame. He would have likely been forgotten. He would have likely felt inferior or less valuable. Being avoided by others and unable to be a part of his Jewish community, could you imagine, could you just imagine the emotional distress, the pain, the suffering he would have endured every day? This was his everyday life. Spiritually, he would have also been suffering greatly. As a leper, this man would have had to quarantine away until he got better, and then a priest would come, assess his symptoms, and lead him to offer sacrifices to be fit for worship again. But this hadn't happened to this man yet. He was still full of leprosy. So could you imagine the feelings of of guilt, of separation from God that he would have daily felt? So here, this man in Luke 5 that that we're introduced to, there was more to him than just physical suffering. And at perhaps the height of his physical, emotional, and spiritual suffering, who does he see? He sees Jesus. Picking up in verse 12, when he saw Jesus... He fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You see, in a moment of desperation, this suffering, social outcast, breaks through all expected norms of the day. When he sees Jesus, he has to go to him. Though already at his low, he was willing to risk so much more. Why? Well, this man, he, full of leprosy, he had a spark of faith in Jesus, and he went to him. In the height of his suffering, he falls on his face in humility and begs for Jesus' help in desperation. Lord, if you will, if you will, you can make me clean. You see this expression here, if you will. It wasn't just a question Jesus' ability. It's not what he's getting at. In the original translation, this expression was used to question Jesus' desire. It was as if this man was crying out, Lord, would it be in your desire to do this for me? Would it be in your character? Would it be in your nature to heal me? Would it be in your heart to free me from my suffering? Verse 13, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. This response of Jesus here is remarkable, isn't it? 
The fact that Jesus is even talking to this social outcast is, is unexpected, but the way in which he encounters him is, is something off the charts. Jesus not only listens to this man's cry for help, but he stretches out his hand and touches him. So why? Why would this have been so unexpected, so off the charts? Two reasons. First, this touch would have been completely unnecessary for the physical healing of this man. Wouldn't have been needed. Up until this point in the Gospels, Jesus heals people just by saying be healed. We saw that last week of the young girl that needed healing. He said it and it was done. And so Jesus doing this was unnecessary. He didn't have to. The second reason this is so unexpected is because what I said earlier about the Jewish laws, that, that anyone on this scene would have never have done this because of the ramifications of a clean person touching an unclean person. Especially a religious leader wouldn't have done this. So why? Why would Jesus, this Galilean celebrity, do this in this moment? Why do something so unnecessary, so culturally and religiously offensive? Well, to answer that question, I'm going to borrow from Mark's account of this story. He wrote about it too. Mark's gospel says that once the leper asked Jesus to heal him, Jesus was moved with pity. And he stretched out his hand and he touched him. You see, New Testament writers, they would often interchange this word pity with the word compassion. For example, take Matthew 9, 35 and 36. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them or he had pity on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, the word compassion here in this verse and in other verses in the Gospels, it's translated to mean to be moved in one's bowels or in one's guts. That's what it means. Because the bowels in this day were thought to be the seat of love. It was the belief that love came from the bowels. That's what this word is doing. This word was an ancient way of referring to what rises up out of the innermost core of who someone is. In this case, love. Here's the point, these uh, word lessons. The reason why Jesus encountered this man in the way that he did in this story was because it was Jesus' innermost core of who he was to do so. This was Jesus' knee-jerk reaction because this reaction most reflected his heart of love for this man. The leper asked Jesus, if you will, will you, will you heal me? Is it your heart's desire to heal me? And Jesus immediately jumps into action, moving towards him, reaching out his hand, answering, I will, because it is my heart's desire to heal you. That's why I came. This encounter, it shows Jesus' heart in action towards sinners, towards sufferers, like this leper, like you, and like me. 
At that moment, what happened to that poor man? Well, in verse 13, as Jesus said, be clean, immediately the leprosy left him. Physically, he was healed. He got what he wanted. The disease that covered him from head to toe, causing numbness on his body, decaying extremities, was gone. But something else would have happened to him emotionally and spiritually, not just physically. As an outcast declared as unclean, think with me here, can you imagine the last time this man would have felt the humanness of someone's touch? Not only would, have, would his leper's body been unable to feel touch because of the numbing, when do you think is the last time anyone ever tried to touch this man? Relationally starved, emotionally depleted, this man would have not only felt Jesus' touch on his skin, but deep in his aching heart. You see, Jesus, he touched this man not because it was necessary for his healing physically, but because he saw, Jesus saw that it was necessary holistically for this man's healing. And then what about this man's spiritual suffering? Well, consider the symbolic nature of uncleanness that I talked about in in the Old Testament. This man, he was infected with leprosy due to an indirect result of sin entering the world in Genesis. In this text, it doesn't seem like this man was full of leprosy because of a personal sin he committed, but rather because of the brokenness of sin that, that, that sin caused in the whole world. But yet, his physical illness, it did represent what was also true of him spiritually. This man was a sinner. He still needed cleansing from the leprosy of his dead soul. So in this encounter, so much is revealed here about the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus. If you were to consider Jesus in these Old Testament categories, Jesus is the cleanest person to ever walk the earth. As God in the flesh, Jesus was the clean one. He was the holy one. But here, through this encounter, we see a glimpse of of Jesus fulfilling those Old Testament categories, right? By this touch, Jesus... It was not only the declaration that Jesus had come to to make the sacrificial system and and ceremonial regulations completely obsolete. This This touch, it was the declaration of the gospel message that Jesus himself is our source of cleanness for that that is required for us to be in the very presence of God. When Jesus, the clean one, touched this unclean sinner, Jesus did not become unclean this unclean sinner became clean. Jesus was the ultimate solution to the chaos, the brokenness, the sorrow that sin brings into this world. But all of this isn't, it wasn't just true of Jesus back some 2,000 years ago in Galilee in this encounter. It's true of Jesus today. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is our hope. That Jesus' heart for sinners and for sufferers remains the same. Jesus still loves to and is capable of restoring broken humanity. And how does he do it? He does it by moving close to 
and leaning into those who experience brokenness. He doesn't pull away from them. And though he is not with us physically to reach out and touch us and comfort us in our suffering, Jesus has given those who trust him his spirit to live inside of us. Jesus, by his spirit, is closer to us now than he ever was when someone encountered him in the gospel. Jesus is closer to you by, in, in, by his spirit, closer than the very breath you breathe. So even now, right now, especially now, in your sin and in your suffering, when facing iniquities and isolation, in your waiting and in your wanting, in your desperation and in your dependence, Jesus longs to be close to you, real close to you, and make things right. And so I'm going to close with a, with a few questions uh, for us to, to think on and, and, and reflect on in light of this passage. First question is, in what ways do you see yourself in the suffering leper? We all have suffering. Perhaps your suffering comes directly from personal sin that you've done. Maybe your suffering has been inflicted upon you by the sin of others. That's suffering. Or maybe it's suffering that's just a result of the mess and brokenness of this world that was caused by sin. Whatever the case is for you and how you experience suffering, we all need healing from our sin. We all need comfort and hope in our suffering. So what is that for you? It's not too big. It's not too little. It matters to Jesus. Second question, in light of your suffering, the real suffering you experience every day, and in light of who Jesus proves himself to be, is this your experience of him? Does, do you know the heart of Jesus in this way? As this Galilean celebrity makes his way through our town, through Memorial Hall, are your eyes on him? Are you looking to him? Will you come to him? And lastly, if you're hesitant to come, why? Do you struggle to believe that Jesus will, in fact, respond to you in your sin and your suffering in the way that he did in this story? Is it maybe, too, is it maybe easy to believe that on your best days, but on your worst days, harder to believe? Why are you hesitant? When is it that you struggle to believe that compassionate love is Jesus' heart for you? Well, like the spark of faith that ignited the leper's request and movement to Jesus, I pray that, that God will grant you the faith right now to take a simple faith and come to Jesus. He will not turn you away. His heart is for you. Let me pray.
Jesus, you say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you hope in suffering. I will cleanse you from your sin. So Jesus, we come, stumbling, weak, scared, maybe a little hesitant, but we come. For some, we come running because this is such good news and we can't wait to be embraced by you because we know your heart is for us. But whatever it looks like, we come now to you. Holy Spirit, enable us to come. And Holy Spirit, as as we come and experience the goodness of Jesus, encounter him, would you make us like Jesus? Would you lead us to be like Jesus? Jesus, when we experience the sin and suffering of the people around us. Holy Spirit, do this in our hearts. We can't do it by ourselves. We need you for this work, and we trust that you'll do it. Amen.